1: Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org events.
2: Mark my words, Potter. One day soon, you are going to meet the same
3: sticky end. Don't be
2: scared. I'm the super sweet monster with the super
4: sweet new cereal, Count Chocula.
5: I'm Greta Johnson. I'm Trisha Bobita. And from WBEZ in Chicago, this is Nerdette. Coming up, a conversation
1: with the co-founder of Hopscotch, a tool for teaching kids to code.
5: And we go behind the scenes of the new storytelling podcast from This American Life that everyone is talking about, Cereal. Plus we hear from the band Lucius. All that plus your nerd confessions.
1: Right here on Nerdette. We love to talk about great lady nerds of history all the time, but this week is special. Tuesday
5: is Ada Lovelace Day. October 14th is the day we set aside to celebrate Ada Lovelace, the mother of computer programming.
6: She is amazing, and the more I understand about the context that she was living in, the more I realize just how imaginative and how far ahead of her time she was. That's
1: Sue Sharman-Anderson, who founded Ada Lovelace Day. It's an international celebration of women in STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math.
6: What Ada saw was that the analytical engine, given the right algorithms, could calculate a result that had not been worked out by human head or hands first. She was the first computer programmer, and she was just this really great
5: figurehead, this really lovely person who was basically a 100 years ahead of her time. So in honor of Ada Lovelace Day, we're getting to know a lady nerd of today. Jocelyn Levitt is co-founder of Hopscotch, which is an app that teaches kids how to code.
1: Since Hopscotch launched a couple of years ago, kids have built about 1.5 million projects using this app. And it all started when Jocelyn was watching a bunch of kids opening presents.
3: All the boys thought robots and erector sets and general engineering toys and the girls got pink purses and makeup kits and i was like that's terrible that's part of the problem i think in the past couple of years there's been a real explosion of girl toys that are more focused on STEM, which i really applied but that was before goldie blocks existed goldie blocks had existed i would have been like why aren't you giving those girls goldie blocks instead of giving them a makeup set same thing with computer programming I think computer programming and physics are the two STEM areas of sort of the hard sciences that see the lowest proportion of women enter them.
1: Did you have any experiences with this sort of programming or tinkering culture when you were a kid?
3: My dad, who's an attorney, loved science in general, and always wished that he'd been an engineer and we sort of invent stuff at home. But I would say not really so much. I would say I only became interested in the world of software because I had this other business idea. And I sort of came to it much later. And my co-founder, she has this brilliant engineering mind, but she was an applied math major at Columbia. And she didn't start computer programming until her senior year of college. And most of the best hackers that we knew, pretty much all of them are like prototypical white male nerdy guys that got into it when they were 11 years old and fell in love with video games and then wanted to figure out how to build their own video games. After that holiday party I mentioned, I went home and I called up my co-founder and I was like, oh, this is horrible. We need to invent a toy that gets girls into engineering and into computer programming. And she's like, yeah, let's do it. And so that was the origin of the idea of Hopscotch. We wanted to make a toy that we wish had existed for us when we were growing up.
5: I do love that narrative too, though, because it shows that it's okay if you do get into it later too. You guys have still managed to achieve the skill set that you needed to be able to build this thing those 20-somethings out there who wish they had picked it up but maybe didn't still definitely can?
3: Most definitely. I would say some of the best-taught engineers out there are self-taught. So you don't have to major in computer science in college to be a really amazing engineer. And my co-founder... The way she got into it was that she was in some club in college, and the summer before her senior year, she wanted to overhaul their website, and she went around and couldn't find anybody who would do it for less than $20,000, and so she was like, I'm just going to do it myself. And she basically taught herself from that, and then kind of fell in love with it.
1: And the idea that I've read that you've said before that was important for Hopscotch is kind of similar to that story, which is saying learn to code doesn't necessarily sound so appealing, but saying let's build stuff is much more <laughs> intriguing of a proposition.
3: Completely. 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 I think that definitely having an idea for something that you want to make and then being able to build it and sort of bring it into fruition into the world feels very, very rewarding. It's immensely empowering to be able to say, okay, I want to make this game and then being able to sit down and figure out how to do it. It's really fun.
1: Tell us a little bit about what it's been like to avoid the pink and blue aisles when you're creating something for kids.
3: We wanted to have something that wasn't overly gendered, but we knew that It's this sort of really specific aesthetic, and it's hard to explain. First time we went out to look for illustrations for the characters in the app, we found this great guy whose illustrations we really liked, but for some reason, all of his illustrations looked boyish. I asked for, like, a buddy rabbit, and the buddy rabbit he gave us was a boy. I can't exactly explain to you what it was, if it was the proportions or the expression that it was wearing, but it was so clearly a boy, and we're like, no, that's wrong. We really want to have stuff that we know is going to appeal to girls. And I think that's where we have a slight advantage in that I think that we're able to sort of detect between an illustration that looks a little bit too boyish, even though it's still a buddy rabbit, versus something that's a little bit more gender neutral or that we know will be appealing to girls. You know, even in picking the colors, I can't even tell you how long our designer, I think, was pretty fed up with us by the end because (laughs) we were like, no, that's not quite the right shade of purple. like we want it to be a little bit more red.
5: Speaking to the colors, just really quickly, because I have to, because I'm obsessed, I kind of think they sort of remind me of like the bold box of Crayola markers. You know what I'm talking about? There's like this one specific spectrum that I always really loved, and this is what they are. It's perfect. Do you like our
3: color palette? Yes, yes. (laughs) I again will tell you that we spent a lot of time on getting the colors right and making sure they all fit together and try to make them appealing to girls, but not overly girly.
1: What's been some of your favorite feedback that you've gotten from people who are using Hopscotch so far? The
3: favorite feedback that we get are from kids who are like, I love it so much, I try to go on every day, I use it whenever I can. That's always great to hear. I think some of the best feedback, though, that we've gotten a couple of times is from a couple of different people are like, you know, I didn't know about computer programming But now I know about it, and now I want to be a computer programmer. Now that I've played with Hopscotch, it's so fun, and now I think I want to be a computer programmer. That's awesome. Um, And we've gotten emails from a few kids like that, and that's always like, yay! (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yeah, that's got to feel really good. It just makes you be like, okay, I love my job. (laughs) I'm making a tiny little difference in the world. It feels really good.
1: Fantastic. Jocelyn, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for talking to me to come, a conversation with the host of the new serial podcast from the gang at This American Life, Sarah Koenig. And Lucius.
0: Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series.
1: Sarah Koenig is up to her eyeballs in information about a murder investigation that's at the center of the first season of this new storytelling podcast from the folks at This American Life.
5: The show is called Serial. And just as a mental note, because I know this is audio, this isn't cereal like your breakfast cereal. This is serial like things in a series happening over and over. Like
1: a great cable TV drama, like a Breaking Bad or a House of Cards, but for your ears.
5: You know what it actually reminds me a lot of, Tricia, is that show The Staircase. It's a similar sort of addictive quality to it.
1: Yeah, it is kind of like The Staircase. The Staircase is great. This is maybe the first
5: podcast ever where you actually have to worry about spoilers. So with no
1: spoilers, we asked Sarah Koenig to give us a behind-the-scenes look at her new show,
2: Serial. The story came to me before the concept of the podcast came along. So I had sort of already started working on this possibly as a story for This American Life. And then when we came up with the idea for the podcast to serialize a documentary story, I was like, well, I got one, you know? (laughs) And just because I knew there's so much going on here that I find really interesting. And I think it can sustain over time. I mean, what I love about... Anything, books, radio, TV, is when I'm totally sucked into a whole world and I kind of get to wallow in it and live there and completely escape (laughs) into something new. And I felt like this story has that potential where you can sort of get to know these people, get to know this place, and kind of get inside their lives in a way that is just really absorbing
1: So at Nerdette, we use nerd as a verb, and it's anything that you're incredibly passionate about. And so as an audience, it's fun to get sucked in and wallow. But I wonder for you as the journalist, what does it take to keep the broader view in mind so that you are presenting something that isn't too detail-oriented or too incremental in something like this, where you have all this new freedom to go inch by
2: inch through a fascinating story. What that takes is editors, you really <laughs> trust. I'm not kidding. Because, you know, I don't know. Like I don't know if you've ever researched your own family or something, and you're like, I found out that my great aunt married this guy. She, you know, and like all your friends are supposed to be fascinated, and they're kind of like, uh-huh. Um, so I do worry that I'm a little bit in that territory sometimes, where I'm like, I I figured out that the 545 call came from cell tower 651L. <laughs> you know what I mean? And everyone starts to glaze over, rightfully so. And so I feel like what entirely saves me from that is my colleagues. And they're very good at saying, like, boring, no, no, boring. <laughs> so that's what saves me. I'm working with Julie Snyder from This American Life who's basically the best editor in the world, and then also Dana Chivas, who's fantastic, who was an intern at This American Life for a while. And they both know the story as well as I do. And so they're just very good at helping steer this whole thing. Everybody needs help. (laughs) (laughs) And I have really, really fantastic help. That sounds like a great crew. Absolutely.
1: People, almost as soon as they heard the premise of True Detective, that it was going to be one season at a time and have new characters. People started lobbying for what they wanted the next season to be, who they wanted to be in it, what they wanted it to be about. Do you find Mm -hmm. from the launch that people are both excited about the story you're telling now but starting to already pitch you left, right, and center,
2: the story that they want to hear next in this style? I've had a little bit of that just from friends. And I have to say, I totally welcome it, because I have no idea what season two (laughs) is. (laughs) So um, I'm like, bring them on. I'm great with that. Um, We've been sort of just barely keeping our heads above water, trying to kick off this season and do this story right, that I feel like I've committed about 3% of my brain to thinking about what's going to happen next season. So obviously, that's that pie chart will change dramatically in a few weeks. But for now, it's like a giant question mark above my head.
1: What are some of the Mm -hmm. stories from other mediums that you look to for inspiration? Are there things that you've read or watched that inform the way you try to tell stories like
2: this? I'm kind of an easy mark. Like, I really love Downton Abbey. I love being in that world. I find some of it really cheesy, but I love it. (laughs) I love comic books. I love House of Cards. I got really sucked into that. I'm partway through Orange is the New Black, the second season. As long as it's pretty good, I'm in. I mean, I'm reading Anna Karenina right now. That's like, you know, that's <laughs> 800 pages of 1870s <laughs> Petersburg and Moscow. I like all of it. I'm reading this Tolstoy now with this other question of like, wow, how is he building this? He's got a long way to go. (laughs) We've already met Vronsky in like the first, you know. And so I am thinking of how do I do this elegantly? I'm sort of have this second watcher now as I'm consuming entertainment. What are you most excited about as you release these episodes to the audience That's an interesting question. I feel like there's a certain amount of excitement for sure. There's also a lot of sort of like fear and trepidation, I have to say, that I hope, ah, this sounds sort of corny, but I hope I'm doing it all justice. Do you know what I mean? It's very hard. I've had a hard time making sure that I'm really, really fair to everyone, even as my own sympathies ebb and flow for people (laughs) along the way. And so I'm so aware of like, are you being fair to everyone? Which is a question, like, obviously every journalist should be asking every second, but it's just I'm doing it on such a big scale, I think, and there's a lot at stake for people in this story. So that sometimes makes me nervous, but I feel like the thing that I feel most excited about, I guess, is that I'm hoping people who hear it get to know these people as well as I feel like I've gotten to know some of them and to like them as well as I feel I like them.
5: serial episodes drop every thursday make sure you listen to them in order though you need to start at the beginning
1: Now our contributor Lauren Chulgen is here because she got to ask the singers from her very favorite band what they nerd out about.
7: Hey, Lauren. Hey, guys. I ran out of here yesterday like a crazy person because I got an email from one of the managers of my favorite band, Lucius. I love the band Lucius because they're just great, fun, creative individuals who take their craft very seriously. And besides the fact that their music is amazing, their harmonies are incredible. The two girls that are in it, Holly and Jess, they can bring their voices together like nobody else I've ever heard. But separate from that, they are the biggest geeks on the planet. And so I always felt like they would make for a great Nerdette segment. And so their manager said, hey, if you got 15 minutes, they're doing a pop-up show at Jenny's Ice Cream if you want to come visit (laughs) and check it out. And for any of you that don't know, Jenny's Ice Cream is originally from Columbus, Ohio. It's this awesome, awesome ice cream place. This is like the two best things
5: ever, Lucius at Jenny's.
7: It also feels a little like a Portlandia sketch to have Lucius at Jenny's, let's be honest. (laughs) They're two very hip guys, I should say, wearing these two Jenny's sweatshirts in the background. like, wow, this is going to make a great Instagram video. (laughs) (laughs) So I swung by Jenny's Ice Cream yesterday afternoon and talked to them about what they're obsessing over. I think because we're away
4: from home a lot, we're nerding out a lot about making a home for ourselves so we're constantly looking up trinkets for our home or like DIYs online on how to better your home and of course we're never home so we can actually enjoy those you know techniques
8: yeah it's fun to fantasize about houseware (laughs) forks
7: there are a lot of them a lot of different types of forks Talk to me about your music influence. I think I read somewhere you guys studied African music in Ghana. Where do the real, like, Lucius music influences, what are they? Where do they come from?
5: They come from all over. I mean, going to Ghana was definitely a big influence for us. We were there for a month studying dancing and drumming every day, hours upon end. It was amazing. Between the five of us, we all come from such different backgrounds as far as influences and that makes it so much fun because when you bring a song to the group everyone kind of hears it in a different way so it makes for a lot of interesting
4: arrangements and things which is fun. We grew up listening to a lot of old-school soul music. Sam Cooke, Otis Redding. I was really a huge fan of Roy Orbison. Growing up he was kind of my first vocal love. Um, Holly obsessed with David Bowie. We were always really attracted to very bold visual elements um, in the artists that we grew up loving, like David Bowie. And so we wanted that to be an extension of the sound while also looking at us the way you hear us, which is as one voice. The red ones that one of you called it dressing the sound? Well, you know, like when you listen to a choir or watch a choir, everybody's wearing the same robe, so that you look at them as if they're one voice. You're not really looking at individuals, you're looking at them as a group, and you're hearing them in the same way. That's how the Lucius baby was born. That's where the matching symmetrical Rorschach effect came about. The two ships passing.
7: How long will this last read? haven't had the time to work it out? So I know you guys have been friends for a long time and you were in school in Boston. And I know you're married, so how do you guys keep your friendships and your music professional life separate or do they overlap or how do you kind of navigate that? It's rough. My husband's in the band, Holly's husband is not
4: in the band, at home, so it's funny because we've always had these very parallel romantic experiences, and now it's kind of parallel but in the opposite way. I don't know, I can appreciate her experience and she can appreciate mine because I'm obviously spoiled, I get to see him all the time, but seeing somebody all the time is not always that exciting. I don't have to ask him at the end of the day, what did you do today? Which is kind of unfortunate. Whereas Holly you know, is
7: missing her husband all the time. I feel like when I read articles about you guys, it's a lot about the music. And we talk a lot on the show about how when you're out in the world and your career puts you out there, there's still that level of sharing of like how much Holly and how much Jess are you put out in the world yourself, whether it's Instagram or whatever. How much do you want to share with the world of what you guys are like as just Holly and just Jess?
4: I think we share quite a bit. I think that's why people relate to us because yes, we have this very strong sort of costumey element to what we're doing, which is fun and bold and wild. And I think it's theatrical, but we're also nerds. And I think that there's no way that we could mask that and no way that we would try to mask that. So I
7: think we kind of carry both elements. Okay, last question because I know you guys have to play. We do this thing called homework, which is where you give our listeners some sort of nerdy homework, whether it's a movie or an album or you know go to the store. So give me some homework for our listeners.
4: I guess my homework would be create something and not something that you do in your everyday life. So like get a pen and a paper, go to a park, drop something or someone you see or record a song. On your iPhone, just do something that you wouldn't normally do, but that's always intrigued you or that puts you in a different headspace. It's always so easy to get inside of ourselves and to get stuck there. And sometimes, if you change perspectives, then you see the world or see yourself in a different way. And that not only will make you feel good, but you know, you have that different perspective, which I think is really important and most people don't do often enough, including myself. I don't mind. I've killed my world
5: and I've killed my time. So where do I go with two eyes? see many people coming after me. So where you going to? I don't mind. Thanks to Lauren Shulgin and to Jess Wolf and Holly Lessig from Lucius.
1: Lucius released a digital deluxe version of its Wild Woman album this week, and it includes eight new tracks, so check that out. When you hear Lucius, do you still think of Lucius Malfoy? Oh, totally.
3: You are aware, no doubt, that the Ministry of Magic is conducting more raids on private houses. There's even rumors of a new Muggle Protection Act.
8: Pure wizard blood is counting for less everywhere, I'm afraid.
3: Not with me.
1: And now Mr. Superlative is here. Tyler Green.
6: Hi. Long hiatus. Long I'm hiatus. Back in business.
1: Tyler's here because he loves things with his whole heart. Lots mm. of things. Mm-hmm. And this week it is Gone Girl. But we're not going to talk about Gone Girl because you either have read Gone Girl or you've seen Gone Girl at this point. But there's some things surrounding the fervor for this movie that we wanted to talk a little bit about. Yeah. So, Tyler, how did you first encounter Gone
6: Girl? By way of audiobook. Everybody was sort of talking about this book, Gone Girl, and I really dig thrillers, both in film uh, and storytelling of all kinds. So I was like, all right, so I'll try this out. I don't know the last time I've actually finished a book from beginning to end if it wasn't an assignment in college, and that always makes me feel super weird and dumb because <laughs> like books are important to me. I just have a very short attention span. And so I'm like, let's try this out because it's in my ear just like a podcast. And I had started running and running was becoming very difficult. So I was like, I'd like to have something that can put me in that Zen space where I just go away while I'm running and can focus on that. And I got it. And it's an incredible performance, very similar, especially for the female character to the performance of the film. The voices sound like the same. It's kind of creepy. And am now making my way through *Devil in a White City* via Audible, and nice. I think that as a substitute for sitting down and holding a book in my hand, for whatever reason I can't do that. And I'm sure there are people out there who are like nodding their heads like vigorously right now. Right, I know I'm not the who only Greta one. Greta doesn't understand. Yeah, I know, and it's so hard, Trisha, because I love. The idea of books. <laughs> I have a beautiful bookshelf. I mean, you've been over to my house. You know the bookshelf that I have. I mean, it's like every undergraduate college <laughs> theater major, poetry major's dream bookshelf. I've read maybe two books on the shelf, and I feel awful about that. So now thankfully I have Audible to kind of help me out. And for the record Audible is not telling us to tell you this unlike most mm. podcasts. <laughs> no, my podcast isn't big enough for Audible yet. So I just do I'm just <laughs> telling you what
1: what I'm saying. You read Gone Girl, you listen to Gone Girl. We'll say you read Gone Girl Thank even you. though
6: which essentially is a failed marriage. What could go wrong in relationships is really what Gone Girl was all about and it goes Wrong. Can I say wrong? Is that a yeah. spoiler? Okay.
1: The book came out a few years ago. Again, there's a whole conversation about statute of limitations and spoilers <laughs> that's always ongoing, but we'll leave that for another day. This is Tyler Green. He's at Story Producer on Twitter. He's the co host of WBEZ's arts podcast, General Admission.
5: Tyler, thanks for stopping by. Thank you.
8: As you all know, my wife, Amy Elliott Dunn, disappeared three days ago.
5: I have to say, I know this is going to be really surprising to you, Trisha. I have not seen the movie Gone Girl, but I have read the book.
1: The most predictable answer you could have given.
5: <laughs> I do plan on seeing the movie, though, just to mix things up a little. You can't go on like
2: this. It's not good enough for you. It's not even close. She may be the reason I
5: started...
1: Now it's time for Nerd Confessions.
5: Nerd
8: Confessions.
1: This is a slightly familiar voice for the super fans of Nerdette,
8: Hey guys, it's Claire calling back because I can't ever stay away from my beautiful lady nerds. I thought I'd call and leave you a Gilmore Girls-related nerd confession in honor of the fact that every single episode of those beautiful seven seasons are going to be on Netflix. When I first started watching the show, I was so amazed by the fact that there was somebody on the show that was me, she was me, and a lot of people I think my age related to Rory, but I really related to Lorelai, which is funny because I'm not a 30-something single mom. But I saw this person who was so unabashedly who she was and wasn't going to change for anybody else, this weird mix of Dorothy Parker and Emma Stone and and now looking back, I also realized that it's a show about mom and daughter relationships. I don't think I got that when I was watching it with my mom when I was young. We, you know, had the typical teenage mother-daughter relationship where we didn't always get along. But on Tuesdays at 8 o'clock, we would be best friends and we'd be watching the show. And now I realize, like, that really caused me to bond with her. I'm sad that it's over. But I'm glad it's on Netflix and I'm glad that there's a place where I can call and get half teary about the fact that Gilmore Girls is over. So thank you for letting me call and walk down memory lane that's in the middle of Stars Hollow.
1: This is such a lovely monologue about Gilmore Girls. I have a lot of feelings in common with her on this. I'm really excited that the show is now on Netflix. I may have been watching it... 312-600-5638 is the number to call. Do it. You can suggest Great Lady Nerds of History for us to profile or just say hi. We
5: love voicemails.
1: Thanks to Jocelyn Levitt, Sarah Koenig, and Lucius. Thanks also
5: to contributors Lauren Shulgin and Tyler Green.
1: Find us at nerdatpodcast.com. That's where you can
5: sign up for our email newsletter. It's on the left side of the homepage. Talk with us on Twitter at Nerdat Podcast. Like us on Facebook. The show is produced by us, Tricia Bobita and Greta Johnson with help from Joe DeSoe, Patrick Burns, and Iris Lynn. Chicago Public Media creates award-winning content about the issues that affect nerds like you. More information is available at chicagopublicmedia.org.
1: Our home stations are WBEZ and WCQS.
5: Thank you for listening on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.
1: Throw some stars and write a
5: review on iTunes if you're feeling generous. Like the excellent Eric Morse did on iTunes. We do appreciate the stars, the retweets, and the shares. There's
1: one other way you can help, Nerdette. If you're a nerd with a business or who works for one and you want to get your message heard by at listeners, you can underwrite this show. Email nerdettpodcast at, at gmail.com to learn more about sponsorship
5: opportunities. Our theme music is New Old Toys by Poddington Bear. Do
1: your homework.
0: Do your homework. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO Original Limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer, Sundays, exclusively on Macs, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.